Hello and welcome to episode three of Own It, a podcast for business owners. Today, I am so excited to share this episode with you because I sat down with one of my favorite people in the entire world and sales expert, Cassie Niekamp. She has amazing experience in the sales world and has brought all of her knowledge and passion to the Cultivate team as our national relationship manager in our Chicago headquarters. When I sat down with Cassie, uh, we first began by diving into the topic of this episode, owning your sales hustle, what that means as a business owner, what's the philosophy for an effective sales process, what do business owners do right when it comes to sales, and where can they improve? But then, as uh, most conversations between us go, we actually went off in a totally different direction, but we ended up having a really valuable discussion um, about the need for mentorship and community um, as a business owner and entrepreneur, and that the pursuit of perfection is not just a destination, but it really is ongoing. So I'm really excited for you to take a listen, be on the lookout for her action item suggestions, and be ready to take a critical look at your sales process. Think about how you can use your network to get feedback on your process and collaborate on new tactics. And if after listening, you think you could use a professional objective eye on your sales process, reach out to us at cultivateadvisors.com and hit that contact us button on the top right. We would be happy to lend a listening ear, share our insights and give you the resources for you to use in pursuit of developing that perfect sales process. And also be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud so you're up to date on every new episode. We are working to expand into Spotify and Stitcher as well, so be on the lookout for that. But for now, my conversation with Cassie. Cassie Niekamp, how are you? Howdy, doing good. Doing well, you ready? Ready. Uh, We should come clean, I think, to the audience. This is round two of our interview. (laughs) Yeah, the first one, as I mentioned before, we were, you know, we were gutsy. We were going rogue first couple of episodes. Bootstrapping. Yeah, we definitely were. And I was a little, um, how do I say, audio um, naive. And I didn't think that there would be a huge difference between my iPhone and this microphone. And boy, was I wrong. Mm -hmm. So we are re-recording, re-recording the magic, hopefully. Um, to sit down and chat with you about your experience in the sales world and how you've brought your philosophy into the sales process here at Cultivate, how your soul and your tactics and your strategy is woven into everything that we do here. Oh, buddy. Oh, are you ready? Ready. Awesome. So I think um, uh, what I would love to know a little bit about is where you got started in sales. Where was your first job in sales? Did you always want to do sales? Was it, did you grow up as a little girl wanting to be involved in sales or did you stumble upon it? What was your like experience? I think it was kind of by happenstance that I fell into sales. I was, um, my, my girlfriend, her older sister, um, probably 10 years older than her. Mm -hmm. I used to babysit for their kids. Mm -hmm. And so her husband, they were very successful and her husband just happened to be in sales. And so I asked him, you know, how did you start your sales career? He was always somebody that I really identified with as a great family guy, just, you know, seemed like he did, just had a lot of cool activities in his work week. He had a lot of autonomy. He had a home office and was always traveling to cool places. And um, basically, he became my mentor. And I still chat with him about every quarter now. But um, he was like, if you want to go into sales, 
I need you to go sell copiers or go investigate what selling copiers would be. And I'm like, hmm, okay, well, <laughs> copiers, that sounds interesting. And difficult, probably. And difficult, yep, a lot of cold calling. Yeah. Um, so I blindly followed this advice because I really thought highly of him. And yeah. I thought if he did it, then I can do it too. Right. And uh, so I did. And I applied. I don't know why, but they hired me. Okay. I had absolutely no sales experience. <laughs> Uh, which I think is what they were after, you know, right. that I just was green enough but eager enough to uh, make a go of things. And so I was there for two and a half years and cold calling was really challenging. I mean, you're dropping in on businesses unannounced, asking when their leases are up, right. trying to trade in their equipment for a more cost-effective solution. As dry of a dry sale as it yeah, could yeah. possibly be. And it was kind of your your task to liven it up, spice it up. That's right. And was it very challenging or did you kind of find like a recipe for success in terms of in that job? Mm. I distinctly remember calling my dad like six months in and saying, I can't do this. I hate oh, this. Wow. wow. I'm not doing it anymore. I've got to find something else. And as dads do, <laughs> you know, they logically, he logically walked me through this is painful now. Yeah. You know, here's the way that we can see through this challenging time. Um, but what's really important to note here is you'll notice a thread in my story around my mentor, Eric. He's divine. Still yeah. is. Yeah. Um, my dad, my first sales manager at Xerox, mm -hmm. Jason Utt, a divine human being as well. Just great family man and all of these characters um, that came to be part of my path and really direction, they were really great about solution-based selling. Yeah. It was not like, let's pull the wool over the client's eyes. Right. It was never a situation of, you know, we're going to outsmart the client in any way. Yeah. It was truly like, let's hustle, let's get to a lot of contacts, but then let's show them a really great client experience. And that was really the difference maker, which I'm not sure if everybody's had that, you know, experience. Yeah. I bet that was so inf like formative for you too, early in your career to sort of have those models of like, this is the way that you can make an impact mm -hmm. for prospects or in this sales process without losing your integrity, mm -hmm. which is difficult. And I think, I mean, that kind of transitions into this sort of idea of thinking about sales for business owners. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you think business owners struggle with sales in particular? It seems like such a hot button. Everyone's trying mm -hmm. to improve their sales, like mm -hmm. increase conversions and all of that. Like, why do you think that is such a, a hot item for business owners? Well, I don't want to toot my own horn here. <laughs> However, toot away. Toot uh, away. sales is really the revenue generating engine. I yeah. mean, that is bringing new gen, you know, revenue into the business. It's a really important aspect of it. Mm -hmm. However, I think that we underestimate the amount of time that goes into a sales um, strategy. So yeah. meaning prospecting to onboarding those steps, however many they may be for your business. Uh, so that's one thing, like the prospecting front to end, it takes some time and effort to right. devote just to the sales aspect. The second thing is, um, you know, everybody wants more leads is kind of the common theme I hear around business owners. Yeah. Boy, wouldn't it be great if I had double my amount of leads or what have you. Right. But to your earlier question about a conversion, I don't know how meticulous business owners are about their client sales experience. Mm. You know, in terms of what does it feel like? Am I always clear on what the next step is and where I'm at in the journey? Um, somebody who I've seen do this 
absolutely phenomenal is Casey Clark, mm-hmm. our CEO. Mm-hmm. He is phenomenal at painting a long-term vision as to where we could go in the conversation as well as a short-term vision. Yeah. And you're never lost as, yeah, yeah. as the prospect. You're really clear about what our end result could be and ways that we would manage short-term conversations as well. Um, I sometimes stand a gap at his sales ability. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's so crazy because I think probably for a lot of people, like as a business owner, as you mentioned, sales is like the anchor for revenue and giving you the opportunity to sort of experiment, hire new people, grow your business and scale. And a lot of times that pressure can seep into that process. And mm-hmm. rarely then are you looking mm-hmm. at like a longer term kind of this solution based selling that you sort of mentioned with your mentors. What does a solution-based sales approach look like in your mind and how how important is it for, for business owners to adopt that? I'm so glad you brought that up, like the short-term pressure of you need sales in the door, like yeah. that is critical. Yeah. But then the long-term is the brand you're building extends to everything and yeah. most notably the sales process, I believe, because that's right. your first interaction with a brand in terms of how am I treated as I'm not yet a client in the door? And I think it is huge. Yeah. And one of the things I really want to be known for here at Cultivate is that the way you're treated as a non-client matches the experience you're treated as a client and that it is a white glove service through and through. That is awesome. I love that. Whether you meet us briefly at a networking event Mm -hmm. or um, you have, you know, you come into one of our office uh, quarterly events or you're at a webinar, like Mm -hmm. that every experience, I really want it to be white glove. Yeah. Um, but getting back to your original question around uh, the solution-based sales approach. Yeah. So it's a conscious effort to really put your own needs to the side. And what I always tell, um, uh, I was just speaking about this about a month ago, and that's why it's fresh in my mind. Are you doing like a little little speaker like name drop that you were uh, (laughs) featured in a breakout session? (laughs) Oh, I mean, just my world tour. I mean, it's nothing really to note. No, I'm kidding. I just spoke um, in, about a month ago, but it was to a group of owners, probably about 50 in the room, and we were talking about the needs-based approach. And yeah. everybody knows, like it's transparent that everybody wants you to become their client. Right, like, That right. is not a secret. Yeah. But you will stand out if you approach the conversation with what is best for you, Mr. Prospect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find that out so transparently and I'm going to help you through your own decision making that whether you become my client or not, I'm going to help you through that process. Yeah. And it's, you're really servant based selling in yeah. that, in that situation. And that is very, very apparent. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's definitely like one of your biggest strengths of what I've noticed. If I can toot your own horn oh, for well, you go ahead. is, um, that there's just so much authenticity and integrity in all of your conversations that the sales thing or this sort of like slimy salesperson like persona doesn't really translate if you are focusing on their needs. Mm-hmm. I, I most recently had kind of like a negative experience mm-hmm. where we were looking at like uh, venues for one of our conferences mm-hmm. and we did a bunch of tours at a bunch of places and I could so obviously tell when I was at a place that actually was invested in seeing the vision that we have for our mm-hmm. conference and when I was surrounded by a sales team that was really just looking at signing on the dotted Mm -hmm. line because Mm -hmm. the questions were so different. It was like, do you think that you'll need 
um, this space or this space? Do you think you'll need, how many rooms do you think you'll need? It was like, I could see them like calculating out like how much I would be purchasing from them. Mm -hmm. Um, versus like, tell me about like the vision that you have for this, or tell me about where you want to see this going or things that were like about my passion of Mm -hmm. it, you know? And the, the overall like feeling that you have in that environment is so impactful Mm -hmm. and it translates so differently into how you're going to make your decision Mm -hmm. and you leave feeling so great Mm -hmm. or like with a weird taste in your mouth, you know? And I feel like probably for, for business owners, their home is in problem solving because they're entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. that's kind of who they are. Mm -hmm. So actually adopting this kind of solution based selling is probably easier than it even seems. Well, your story is so interesting because we assume that you could rattle off Catapult's vision in a minute. And I'm sure yeah. you probably could. You spent a lot of time on it. <laughs> yeah. But oftentimes when we're selling, we assume that you come into our meeting so prepared with your own needs yeah. that we don't have to draw it out of you. Yeah, And yeah. I, I don't think that could be further from the truth. Right. You know, when you approach a venue like you did, yeah. you're coming at it from, you're navigating traffic, yeah. you're with Casey, you're having conversations in the car, Right. you have your own marketing goals that need to achieve by the end of the week. Yeah. But for somebody to pull that out of you and have you verbalize it may not have happened in the past month since Catapult wrapped up. Right, right. So it's almost like it's a forced exercise where you as the client or potential client didn't even know you needed it. Yes. Yeah. But they're pulling it out of you, which is a very cool realization when, you know, sales level two Uh, You know, when you realize you really have to pull the client out of their own day and focus at the topic. Have you had any like crazy transformative conversations like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I can think of um, uh, one in particular. Uh, Her name is Amy. Last name will not be disclosed. (laughs) Um, So we were talking with her. She was somebody I knew a couple years ago from a previous company relationship and I just, I thought this woman was always dynamic. Mm-hmm. She was so poised as an owner. Yeah. She was phenomenal. And I, she's still phenomenal today. Right. However, she had been operating her business for the past eight years by herself. And I was asking her just some of these questions like, what are your long-term visions uh, for your business? What does work-life balance look for you? I know mm. you have three little kids at home. Um, what does that look like for you and your husband? What's important to you now? Yeah. And she literally stopped me and said, I have not verbalized these answers since I started eight years ago. Nobody has pulled me aside and asked me, where am I heading in my business? And quite honestly, I've never shared any figures outside of my business, but to my husband only. Mm. Like only my husband has ever known my finances or my margins or what have you. Yeah. I've never had anybody take a look at my business in the questions that you're asking. Mm. Um, but you know, those are, those are fun conversations when kind of the light bulb goes off and they're excited yeah. with you. Um, and I, it, it well, sorry to interrupt, but it probably makes it like such a personal relationship then it transforms from just like a sales mm-hmm. conversation to like, I'm actually invested in your goals and what you want to achieve. And now like, I want to work with you more than I just want to like close this deal. But to that point, I have to be, as a salesperson, so secure in the fact that if Amy had a really great conversation from those, you know, polling sales questions and Mm -hmm. those needs-based questions, amazing. But if she said, this was kind of a fun exercise, but I'm going to go back to what I was doing, then that's okay too. Because if they are not a good fit for us, that's great. Right. But I need to get to the bottom of that and I need to give them the opportunity to say, not right now. Yeah. Or not a good fit. And right. that is okay. 
Yeah. Well, and that's so true too, because I think, um, and maybe I might be blending into like what was in podcast episode, you know, <laughs> the first round or not, but I think you said something really impactful. Like it's okay that you're not everybody's ideal solution. Absolutely. Yeah. All of the companies I admire, when I think about the brands that they've created, they're specifically saying no to a certain demographic or mm -hmm. a certain population, and I'm very cognizant of that. Yeah. I don't want to be everybody's end-all, be-all. Right. Um, I do want to be in it for the small business owner. Yeah. That's who we want to go after, and that to me is really critical. Um, yeah. I'm very cognizant as to who you do not serve is maybe even more impactful than who you do serve. Right. And that being comfortable turning some of those like not ideal fits away might feel like, oh, that, that was hard or mm -hmm. that doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. But it'll serve you in the long run as instead of trying to fit like a square peg in a round hole kind of mm -hmm. thing, you know, just trying to make the sale. And I think as we kind of go back to that, like more frequently in a sales process, if you're led by, um, you know, desperation or like financial needing to make those sales, you end up kind of casting a wide net and pulling people mm -hmm. that might not be the perfect fit. So how can owners kind of be proactive in terms of, you know, not acting in, in that kind of impulsive way? In desperation? Yes. Well, I think it's all about planning and yeah. really viewing sales as metric based. Yeah. And once you get a strong grip on your conversions, the rest become very controllable. So I know I need to have eight sales calls this week and I'll move four to the next step. Yeah. You know, just as an example, I'm so honed in on my metrics that I can actually forecast out what is to come for the fourth quarter. And when you think of sales, you think of dynamic charisma, at least I do. Anyways, <laughs> um, visionary <laughs> leader, entrepreneur, um, you think of all these like exciting, charismatic things. At yeah. least I do. Yeah. But when you boil it down, it is actually math. Yeah. And if you have a tremendous salesperson, it's because somebody has taken the time to pour into them. Mm. Very few of us come out of the womb and really know how to sell well mm -hmm. um, and have this needs-based approach because inherently we're selfish. Right. And so to really have a clear sales process and to really be cemented in in your conversion metrics, that is key. Yeah. And then you can start measuring salesperson to salesperson. Mm -hmm. Who is maybe undeveloped within your team? Who needs more poured into skill development, et cetera? Coaching, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know your metrics or you're thinking, hmm, that'd be a really great thing to have, mm -hmm. I do know a company who could help with that. <laughs> plug for Cultivate Advisors. Mm -hmm. I love it. Little plug. Um, if you are a solo entrepreneur, if you're running your business and it's just one of one, mm -hmm. you are just wearing... Yeah every hat and you're doing it all by yourself, what are some ways that you can kind of do that sort of coaching or that, you know, development that you were just talking about for a sales team, but for yourself, like what can you do? I want to preface this by saying that as a solopreneur, it's going to be challenging mm -hmm. because you need to really be efficient in terms of your weekly time blocking and scheduling yeah. blocking. Yeah. Um, there becomes an aversion to things as a solopreneur, you're naturally gifted in certain aspects and you're also going to have an aversion to other things that you're not as comfortable yeah, in. Right. Many entrepreneurs don't love to sell themselves because it's it's a weird dynamic if not done well, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Um that's where you have to be so locked in to your weekly schedule that you are really disciplined 
uh, attending networking events, making the sales calls, reaching out on LinkedIn, having connector coffees, having a process, Mm -hmm. measuring yourself, holding yourself accountable. Um, Before you can lead a great team, you have to lead yourself first, right? which is literally no easy task. I mean, uh, solopreneurs out there, I am championing you from afar, but um, know that you have to hold yourself to the same accountability that you would have somebody else. Right. So, well, I think this is actually kind of, um, you know, to tie it in perfectly, this is where somebody like a mentor or a supportive like peer group or something come in so valuable here, because if you're doing it all by yourself and you're doing sales, you're, you're doing whatever, like you need some support, right? you know, you need somebody to sort of bounce ideas off of. Which leads me to a dear conversation in how I got actually started in, um, the coaching world. Mm hmm. And I don't know if I've ever told you this. Oh my gosh, guys. But Insight exclusive clip. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, I was a green 25. Yeah. And I was in a networking uh, group with a really dynamic, self-made, wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure her business, she, she had two really successful businesses. Yeah. She, uh, I, think, I think it's safe to say she was in the millionaire category in terms of net income. Awesome. I took her to lunch and I took an article. Um, it was from like living, I don't know, whatever, simple living or like yeah. Martha Stewart, yeah. whatever. And it was about how females especially do not have mentors or they're not asking for connections mm. in terms of entrepreneurship. So I brought my article oh my gosh. to lunch and I asked her advice and it was sincere. And I just said, how would you recommend me find a mentor or, you know, somebody who could help pour into me as a businesswoman. Yeah. And she said, I would love to pour into you as a, you know, a businesswoman. Um, and it was such a touching moment for me because I sincerely did not go in with the angle of I'm going to coerce her. Right. But she recognized that I had like brought my little article like a nerd (laughs) and said, like, what do you think about this article? You know, what are Mm. your thoughts? Yeah. She poured into me without any, you know, we met for lunch maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to recall now. Um, and then I actually hired her to be my business coach. Oh my gosh. She helped me to have um, my best year in sales ever. Yeah. And then uh, I hired Cultivate Advisors. Wow. No less than a year later. And I had such a great experience with her. And she served a different purpose than Cultivate did. Yeah. But... I mean, it just, it helped me to have such a love of coaching and what it could do in terms of accountability. Yeah. And having somebody see me separate than the rose colored glasses that my husband has on Uh or that a family member or that my dad, you know, et cetera, somebody removed from, you know, can give you like objective feedback. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You are such a, yeah, actually as I'm, as we're talking about this, I'm like, you are, have been bought in about this whole idea of peer groups, mentors, mm-hmm. and like coaching, what value, if you had to distill it down, has it given you personally for your career? Gosh, where do I start? <laughs> getting, um, emo- getting emotional. Yeah, tearjerker. <laughs> you know, I oftentimes think about how much business, like we're all in business for some reason. Yeah. Whether it's an awesome solution that we want the world to know about, whether it's we want more time with our families, more financial freedom, etc. But the vehicle in which we get there is oftentimes our careers or what we do for the world. Right, right. And when that intersects with passion, like that's a yummy, meaty area oh, yeah, that we all hope sure. to be in. Right? Yes, yeah. When I think about entrepreneurship, 
And I never felt lonely, but oftentimes I hear that from a lot of our owners is that it is lonely. You have a spouse, like people have marriages, but they're not built to support businesses. Right, right. You know, the marriage is built for marriage yeah, and a partner yeah. in life. Yeah. But to have somebody removed from your business who doesn't have a dog in the fight, which mm. I always love to say, mm-hmm. um, and can see from the outside in something so clearly that you yourself have been working for months to solve because you are so close to it. Yeah. And I know people who have had trouble sleeping or really desire um, a little bit of business therapy mm-hmm. is what sometimes referred to around here. I just cannot, I just cannot, I'm so convicted that yeah. you must have something like this in your business. Yeah. Because I think it's, as you said this, like it, a lot of people struggle with this feeling of I'm totally on an island. I'm facing all of these challenges for the first time by myself. And... I feel like I'm the only one going through Mm -hmm. it. And we've had so many interesting like feedback from clients or just people in our community or even just business owners that are like literally just like reading this blog post or Mm. hopping on this webinar, like vocalized to me things that I thought only I dealt with. And it's like, what a joy that would be to crack the code in, in terms of doing that for like a selling process, you know? To be able to like verbalize some of those things that people think they're just kind of going through on their own. I mean, Paige, we're living in a society that has a glossy exterior of social media yeah. or our glossy website. And right. you look at everybody and you think you've you figured it out. Yeah. And I haven't. Right. And that's an isolating tactic, right? Yeah, yeah. So then we're at these networking events and everybody's peacocking. How's business? Oh, it couldn't be better. (laughs) You know, like, gosh, but really, is that the case? I mean, probably, maybe, but maybe not. Right. And so when you can break down um, and some advisors, you know, can see that other businesses also at this growth stage have been at the exact same hurdle. And this is how they overcame it. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it's a, it's just a problem that needs yeah. solved. Right. And it's not a me issue. It's just a problem solving issue. Yeah. And that becomes very freeing. Yeah. That's so true. That is awesome. Okay. So you're kind of like big tips for somebody that's a business owner, maybe they have a small sales team, maybe mm-hmm. they're doing it all by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they want to look critically at their sales process, what do you where do you point them first? Uh, first my mother. <laughs> Your um, mom. Oh <laughs> I love that. Um, I say my mom because she and I just a real quick story before I go into my tips here. Um, in terms of my mom though, so before I got into sales, the part I left out about my journey here is that my mom like her face fell when I said I was going into sales. It was oh, wow. kind of like, uh, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> and my mom is the most supportive. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can do anything, yeah. you know, yada, yada. Um, however, sales was not on her radar as something I'd pursue. You know, she thought I was going to be the next Katie Couric. You oh, know my I'm gosh, saying? I love that. However, uh, and she has literally 25 salespeople who call on her a day because she is the um, a big buyer for a construction firm in Ohio. It's the largest construction firm. So if you sell any sort of power equipment, power tools, whatever, mm-hmm. gloves, hard hats, you know, whatever, you name you're it. her girl. Um, or she's your girl, I guess I should say. So anyways, I have only known my mom as the soft, mushy mom that she is. Right. When I have met salespeople at an event that was unrelated to her, and I said, how great is my mom? Yeah. And they literally gave me a blank stare. And they said, yeah. 
And I quickly realized that something was not translating from the mom I knew to the mom or the Tammy that they yeah. caught on, right? Right. So it became quickly apparent to me as I got in my sales career that my mom is kind of scary, actually, oh, to be God. caught upon. And But she's your make-or-break million-dollar account. Yeah. And so while she viewed salespeople as an interruption to her day, the reason was they were not providing value. Mm. So they would come by her office and linger mm. and want to chit-chat. And really, form a relationship is really what they wanted to do. Right. My mom is so fast-paced in her job. It's give me value and then exit. Yeah. Like be brief, be memorable, and then exit. You know? <laughs> right, right. That's my mom's philosophy. Yeah, totally. Um, and they weren't getting that hint. Yeah. And so that was very scary, right? Yeah. And so through the years, she has been pouring into me as this sales experience really bothered me. And here's why. Mm. Or this one I loved, and here's why. Mm. Um, and that has really shaped the way I approach um, sales. Um, the way I bring value to every interaction. Like through opposition. You're like, this is what not to do. This <laughs> yeah. is it from the other side. This is what they're feeling. Yeah. Right. Like you're an interruption to my day if you are not providing value. Right. If you're furthering our conversation, if you're providing me solutions, yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. Right. But again, be brief. Yeah. <laughs> and then say goodbye <laughs> and leave. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but in terms of the sales tips, so you want yeah. to have Tammy review your sales process, is number one. <laughs> um, no, but really, I, I think it's wise to have an outside perspective yeah. review the sales process and poke holes in it. Because mm. what I'm gathering, um, you know, and it's always wise to reevaluate your actual sales process is what are my steps? Yeah. And then what are my conversions through those steps? And if you're noticing that there is a drop, um, in a certain aspect, then you maybe need to say, am I really eliminating some people that I want to in this step? Mm. Or am I leaving people behind that should not be left behind? Mm. How much time am I devoting to sales? What is the importance throughout my week? Um, so first would be sales process and also conversion metrics. Yeah, test it, get some other eyes on it, have some people go through it to like, you know, test the whole process. Yes. Um, and I think the second would just be to, to actually have a conversation with some of your very close clients who you know is going to give you unbiased feedback. Mm. Take them to lunch, take them to a happy hour and say, I need your thoughts on what the sales experience was like. Mm. What did you like and what did you not like? They're yeah. going to remember. They're yeah. going to have things to tell you. You will wince at the non, you know, yeah. uh, at the critical feedback. Right. Allow it to happen. Be gracious in your ask. Do not defend yourself yep. and just jot it down. Take two to three clients out. And if you're noticing a pattern among all three, uh, you're going to have to reevaluate some things. Yeah. Um, the same is true if you have a sales individual on your team. Be critical in that conversation too Yeah. Um, of the experience and, and hold accountability if there's something that needs changed or improved or a skill that needs honed. That's awesome. I love that. It's more eyes on the whole thing, testing the whole thing, having no ego, just looking at it as trying to get to the, the end goal of higher conversions and getting the village around to help you do it. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Well, Cassie, thank you so much. Um, you were a total trooper for doing this a second time, <laughs> but I could feel like we could talk for hours about this. I really actually. could. I really could. Yeah. And I it's one of, it. it's one of those things that like in every stage of the business, we 
are working through our own cultivates, you know, description of the entrepreneurial journey. But mm-hmm. in every stage of the entrepreneurial journey, sales plays such a crucial role. Mm-hmm. But it changes every, you know, in every stage just a little bit of like what you need, what you what you need to expect, what you know you need to deliver on. It's all you know moving at all times. You're never hitting your stride completely, and you can just put it on autopilot. That's so true. I mean, yeah. I've never been with a sales organization that we were not constantly rehoning, refiguring, reconfiguring, I guess mm-hmm. is the word, um, re-examining where we could get better. And that is a healthy part of development. We should yeah. always be doing that in the areas of finance, marketing, etc. Yeah. You know, and sales it just happens to be one of those components, which again is revenue generating. <laughs> so typically a little bit more on uh, this the magnifying glass. Yes, yeah, for um, sure. But, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's great, too, because it's a, it's a good thing to remember that there's really no ego in it, that even if, you know, people are, like you're saying, like peacocking at these networking events mm-hmm. or puffing out their feathers saying, business is great, everything's awesome, mm-hmm. you know that they, they are looking at their sales process. Mm-hmm. They, they are looking critically at it, and there's nothing wrong in having an open and critical eye on your own process that actually makes you so much more successful. Yeah, I've never met a truly successful person who wasn't open to feedback or inner development. And Mm -hmm. whether it's for themselves or their team, you know, we're always trying to get better as, you know, the people that I surround myself with are always trying to improve themselves in some area. Yeah. Whether it's fitness or, um, you know, more reading, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner... I mean, that's the brand I would want to build is we're always improving. Yeah. I got a uh, Imperfect Produce is a brand that oh, Paige and I it. champion we love here them. in Chicago. And if you don't know them, they take basically irregular sized produce or something they've made mass quantities of. Mass. Yeah. Like grown mass yeah, quantities. Right. Um, and basically they do a little bit of a discount model where it ships to your house. This beautiful, bountiful yes, box of veggies. Yes. And one of the feedback I got on one of their, like, um, when I was customizing my box was, oops, sorry, we're in the midst of improving something. And they made it sound so cute in terms yeah. of, like, oops, we're in the process of getting great. You yes, know, we're, yes. we're not always perfect, though, yeah. which is a play on their name, imperfect produce. Right, right. Um, but I'm like, yeah, get it. I'm so bought into your brand yeah. that even though I had this small technologically technological error, yeah, um, that I dug it. And yeah. so I think that when people authentically know that you're looking into your own business and trying to improve the client experience, hats off to you. Right. Yeah. Because, and really, you you notice that that's all around you. So you're like, it's better if we're all open and honest and authentic about it. It, it gets everybody kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm right there with you. You mm-hmm. know? Yes. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love the little shout out to Imperfect Produce. That's perfect. <laughs> if you guys want to sponsor us, we're, <laughs> we're available. Sponsor our podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Cassie, I think we probably got to get you uh, out of here. You got to go pick up your son. Is that That's right? That's right. Yes. Time's have taken away. But thank you so much for sitting down for round two. I think it's our best round yet. hope so. Um, and we will definitely have you on to talk a little bit more about sales. I think there's no shortage of information that we can share. A lot to dive into, folks. You just buckle up. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys all next time. See ya. Bye.